I'm, I'm really excited. It's, it's been a, I gotta tell you, it's been a really great year at Skybreak. It's been a pretty great year. And I'm excited in the next few weeks as we continue to talk in this legacy series to share even more about all that God has done through our generosity, the lives that have been impacted. And I'm also excited to talk about what God wants us to do next. How many of you are ready to hear what God has done, but also what he has for us to do next? And I want to encourage you, don't miss a single legacy weekend. Every week there's something special, and, and um, you never know when that story might come out. But I, I just want you to, to lean in. And as we approach the end of this year and as we approach our legacy offering, which is just three weeks away, by the way, not next week, not the next week, but the week after that, we get to appreciate what God has done and also how he's brought us through this year. That's what we get to do. And if you're new to this, I wanna kinda tell you that it's a tradition for every year for the people of Skybreak to, to bring our best sacrificial gift to our legacy offering. It's a tradition, we do it every year. And it, like Pastor Danny mentioned earlier, it's to help accelerate the vision that God has given our house, to, to help continue that in a, in a great way, but it accelerates what God has put in our hearts. And our offering is something that we do on a practical level. And I gotta be honest, I cannot wait to give back to God in an extraordinary way. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to do it because I know what happens on the other side. I know what happens when I offer my sacrifice to God. And I'm also excited to see what God's gonna do in all of our lives and what he's gonna do in your life through this offering, what he's gonna do through our church in this offering. And I gotta be honest, I've been praying like I do every year as we get into legacy season. I've been praying for those who would again, give $100,000 this year in the offering. It happened last year. If you remember, it happened last year. I believe it can happen again. I've also been praying for those who will be giving $100 this year. Because maybe the $100 in God's eyes is a bigger sacrifice than to the person that's giving the $100,000. Because let me explain something that God is not looking for equal amounts, but rather equal sacrifice. That's all he asks. And, and you may say, well, where is that at? Well, the Bible tells us Jesus makes mention of this in Mark chapter 12, an amazing story where it came time for an offering and Jesus was standing off to the side and he was watching people give their offering and it said that there were many who gave very generously. They gave out of their wealth. But then there was this widow who came and she gave two mites. She gave all she had. She just gave just something that was worth only a few cents. And on the surface, as we see that story we would say that it doesn't matter what you give, that the amount doesn't really matter. And although that's true, if we're not careful, we'll miss what Jesus was saying in Mark chapter 12. What he was saying about this woman and these people in this story, though to most, her amount was small. It was only a few cents. But to her, that was everything. That was an ultimate sacrifice. So it's not about the amount, but it is about sacrifice. And I want us to embrace, and that's the word I want to come around today and, and throughout this legacy season is the word sacrifice. Because I truly believe that when we step out in faith and we truly offer a, a, an ex, a, a sacrifice to God, guess what? God always responds to sacrifice. Always, you can see it all throughout scripture where God responds. And you may be asking today, 
Why do you spend an entire series on legacy? Why do you spend an entire series, several weeks talking about an offering? Well, I'll just say this. You invest in what you value. And when you value something, you will easily sacrifice for it. It becomes easy. You begin to look for ways to give towards something, something that you really, really love in your life and that you really value. You, you set a budget for it. That those, those tickets, those season tickets to watch people you don't even know run around on a field in spandex, you invest in what you value. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I'm just saying you invest in what you value because it has worth to you. And so it's important that we understand that when we give to God, it is worship. It's worth-ship. It's saying that, God, you deserve so much more, but out of what you've given to me, here is my worship. Here is my sacrifice to you. And there's a story in the Gospels that depicts, and this is what I want to talk about today, it depicts what sacrifice is all about. And how irrational generosity towards Jesus is a way that we all should live our life. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Thank you for standing in honor of God's word. Matthew 26, verse 6. It says, while, while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper. Now, that's a nickname for you. Out of all names he could have been known for in Scripture, he was known as Simon the leper. It says, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head and he was, as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told memory of her. I want to preach to you today from the title, It's the Why for Me. It's the Why for Me. Tell your neighbor, say, it's the Why for Me. It's the Why for Me. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. God, as we embrace this legacy season and embrace all that you have for us, this amazing season, a season of miracles, we call it at our church. God, I just pray today, God, that you would allow, um, that we would allow your word to penetrate our heart, to speak to us in our life in places that maybe we've grown hard to you. I pray, Lord, that you would turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh today, that you would allow us to receive all that you have for us as we hear your word today and as we sit in your presence. God, just move in us. Do something special. Do something that we maybe have never experienced in our lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said a big amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever noticed how kids' favorite word is why? 
Anybody ever notice that? Like all the parents in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. My, my oldest son, I mean, it doesn't matter. He, he, he is like trying to be a rolling encyclopedia, I feel like, because he asked why about everything. And I, a lot of times I'll beat him to the whole deal. And he's like, well, dad, why do the star? I mean, look, you're about to ask 100 questions about astrology and all this stuff. Guess what? I mean, just tell you the answer right now. I don't know. Because he will ask why this and why and why and you'll tell him to do something. Why? Why? And, and, and I have found that 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 this is obviously how our kids learn about the world around us. This is obviously how they learn why things happen and how things operate is by asking the question why a question that we all ask. Now, as we get older and we grow into adults, we may not audibly ask the question out loud. Why? But we wonder about things. We wonder. And so today, I, I want to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to probably talk more than I preach today because I just kind of want to talk from the abundance of my heart. And I want to tell you today and talk to you a little bit about why I give in hopes that maybe you will find and discover your why. I remember early in my life being taught and being discipled to understand and even deciding for myself at, at a point in my life to to tithe to to give offerings to to bring sacrificial gifts at one time a year at least and offering them back to God to put God first in my finances I remember learning at a young age and as I began to to understand that this whole thing and this whole system if you will I begin to understand that everything that I have was given to me by God like Everything that you have was not you who earned that. It was God who gave it. And so when I began to understand that everything that I have, everything that's gone on in my life was given to me by God, it made it easy for me to return the tithe back to him. Made it easy to understand that. And let me just say this. If you find yourself today shifting in your seat a little bit, maybe even looking for the door when you hear the word tithe or you hear the word give, then maybe today is the message that you need to hear. Because I found that personally, personally in my life, whenever I have a problem giving back to God financially, that means I've got something going on inside called greed. Greed. Let me tell you what the Bible says. I'm gonna, I've given you my opinion, but let me tell you what the Bible says so you can be mad at the Bible, not me. Proverbs clearly says in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 24, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the or greedy gets smaller and smaller. And so those who do give understand that it is the greatest privilege of our lives to give back to a God who gave us everything. It is a privilege. It is an opportunity to show him how much he is worth to us. I can remember um, many years ago when, we, when Kendall and I first got married and we were, we were talking about what we were going to do as a family. And back then it was called Heart for the House Offering. Now we call it Legacy Offering. And I remember the very first time that God asked my wife and I to give $1,000 in the offering. I remember it was a huge sacrifice. We, we had, I think, one kid at the time. And we were, it, it was like 
it was one of the biggest sacrifices we could, I didn't know how it was gonna happen. I was like, God, are you serious? Like, like this, you would have, it'd be like asking me to give a million dollars today. I'd be like, how in the world is this going to happen? This would be an ultimate sacrifice. But we came together as a family and we found out a way to make it happen. And so we gave it. And I can tell you how God blessed us in amazing ways. And I didn't do it because of that, but I did it to show God how much I trusted him. But then I can remember a few years after that and it came time for again for our offering to come around and me and my wife were asking, okay, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to sacrifice this year? We've been, we've been preparing, we've been setting aside for it, but God, what do you want me to do? And he said, hey, you remember that time I asked you to give a thousand bucks? I was like, is that all you want from me, God? Is that it? Is that it? And he goes, remember when I said that? I want you not to just give a thousand, I want you to give a thousand per person in your family. And I was like, why did I ask God that question? And at the time, we had four people in our family, and we were pregnant with our fifth one, or with our four, third child. And I said, like, okay, God, I can, I'll figure out how I can do the 4,000. He goes, no, you still have one on the way. And I was like, but it's not out yet. And I can remember working around trying to figure out how we were going to give into this offering. I would be grateful today if even at six kids, if he would ask me to only do that. Because that's the kind of sacrifice that God will ask of us in times in our life. But I can tell you that today as your pastor, because I've learned this, that the greatest times that God grew my faith was in the process of offering a sacrifice. Every single time. When God wanted to stretch me, he was showing me, how much do you trust me? I've given you everything. Will you give it back to me? This is like the Abraham and Isaac story, right? And let me tell you, I've never seen it as doing God a favor when I give to him financially. I'm not doing God a favor no more than I've ever thought I was doing him a favor when I worshiped and praised him with my words and with my expressions. I'm not doing God a favor. Why? Because it's just a natural reflex. For someone who has been born again to give back to a God who's gave you life, who has brought you out of darkness, who has given you hope and a future. It is a natural reflex to give back to a God who you've encountered and who's changed your life. It becomes this natural reflex. And I don't know about you, but it would be very, it would be very selfish for me to not give back to my wife who's shown me love. It would be very irresponsible as a husband to just allow my wife to show me love but never offer anything back to her. It would be ignorant at that, all the love that she's shown. Bishop T.D. Jake said it like this. and Ain't no way I can say it like he does it. He said, you've got to learn to feed what feeds you. You've got to feed what feeds you. You see, do you know the story about in the Bible where God cursed the fig tree? Haven't you ever heard that story where God cursed the fig tree and it withered up and it died? If you haven't heard it, go read your Bible sometimes. There's some good stuff in there. You might want to go read it and check it out. But, but God cursed a fig tree in the Bible as he was walking by, not because the tree was bad, but because the tree was not following the system that it was created to do. It was not feeding. It was not giving back. It was not producing how the system it was created to the thing that was feeding it. It had violated the law of the system, so therefore God cursed it and it withered up. Can I tell you today that when you violate the law of God's system, you stop the law of God's harvest. You've got to feed what feeds you. So we're in this season right now, and it made me think about 
this woman in Matthew chapter 26. I love preaching about this story. Matter of fact, that's why it says, wherever the gospel is told, you will, it will be told in memory of her, this very story. But I think in Matthew 26, what we see about this woman, it has something to do to teach us on how, why we give to God. I believe it can teach all of us. And we see this woman who, who walks into a room, and if you know the time and day, she walks into a room full of men, as a woman back in that day, that was a completely different scenario. And, and she was, had the intention to offer something significant to Jesus. And while the disciples are just reclining at the table, they begin to complain about this woman. Why this waste? Why, why is she pouring all of this out? Think of the insult to their rabbi, to Jesus, that this accusation represented. Like, oh, come on, I, I know he's a good teacher and all. I know he's done some miracles and he's done some cool things, but, but really the whole bottle of perfume? Like, all of it? Not, like, you couldn't, like, you know, like, we inflation, Jesus, like, just a little bit. We gotta make this go a long way. They begin to ask, why? Why this way? It's kind of like sometimes when people ask, I've had them ask, why do people say amen and, and shout yeah and say things or clap or maybe even stand sometimes when you're preaching hard? I don't know. You might want to ask them. Maybe they value the word of God like some sports fans value people running and getting a touchdown on a field. I don't know. Maybe you should ask them. Maybe they value God like some people value the, to know that with every new day, every rising of the sun, grace and mercy show up every single day in their life. Maybe they value the word that's being preached and aren't ashamed to say, I need God. I need him in my life. I need him to touch me. I don't know. You may have to ask them. You don't know their experience. You don't know what it took for them to get here. You don't know where their place of worship is coming from. So what this woman in Matthew 26 taught me was when I give, it is worship to God. When many of us hear the word worship, we typically are talking about our music Spotify playlist. Like, like the truth is modern church culture today has, has used this word to describe a genre of music. Like, like, like I've got my rock playlist. How many like rock? Raise your hand if you like rock in the room. You're not going to heaven if you don't like rock. <laughs> How many of you like country music? You got my country playlist and when I'm feeling Texas today. Texan. How many of you got your workout playlist? Like you got the explicit off though. So, you know, we already know. We already know. You got your, your, your jazz playlist for special moments and times. Anybody know you got your jazz playlist? Anybody got it? Some of you are like, I don't want to raise my hand. But then we, then we have our worship playlist, right? How many got your worship playlist? Like I said, it's titled worship. You know, like I have what is called hard hitters. You know what I mean? Like it's like when it hits you, you know, you're like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. It's called hard hits. But can I tell you, worship doesn't start when somebody comes up and grabs a microphone or, or strums a guitar. Worship is not an activity that is confined to the realm of an expression of music. When you really understand worship, you understand that it is worth-ship. It is expressing what God is worth to you. That's worship. And the problem with these disciples' question was they devalued this woman's act. They devalued even the presence 
of Jesus in this moment. One of the reasons that they had been so exasperated by what they saw was because, and what they saw is to be a waste or, or too much, is the same reason why some people don't understand why people lift their hands in worship or volunteer at church or give it an offering. It's the same reason. Maybe it's because they have something that they need to give back to God. Maybe they've been fighting the enemy all week and they're throwing up their hands saying, maybe, maybe God, I need you. Maybe they're carrying something that's so heavy that they can't carry it alone. So maybe we should stop judging somebody else's worship when you don't know the warfare they have that they're fighting when they came in. Maybe they just needed to take the next 25 minutes to say, God, I glorify you. I need you to turn my mourning into dancing. I need you to turn my sorrow into joy. God, I'm throwing up my hands because I need you. I need you like I need my next breath to live. God, I need you. I didn't come here today to patty cake for Jesus. I came to worship him and show him how much he's worth to me. Why don't we just take the next five seconds and why don't you show God how much he is worth to you? Why don't we just take a praise break? Jesus, you're worthy. You're a good God. You are faithful. Thank you, Jesus. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Somebody shout, he's worthy. I know some of you may not have gotten that yet, but let me tell you, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. You know, we get to do stuff that angels don't get to do. We get to worship from a posture that they never got to experience. We've been redeemed. They haven't. So apart from the fact that in this story that Jesus, by the time we get to Matthew 26, apart from the fact that Jesus has only about a week left to live before he would go to a cross, this woman is anointing his body for burial with an expensive perfume. Like, I think it's key that the Bible had to show us that this wasn't just perfume, that it was an expensive perfume. One of the parts of Scripture said it was worth a year's wages. Like, take your yearly salary and pour that on Jesus. Think about that for a moment. She had saved this up for something special, and she realizes this is her moment. This is it. I don't need to look around. I don't need to see what everybody else is doing because they've gotten used to Jesus. These disciples were reclined at the table. They've become too familiar with the presence of God. They didn't know and realize what was about to happen and what God had done and what he was about to go do. They didn't see what I see, she said. And to this woman, this was her moment. This was it. It wasn't a waste to her. And let me tell you, they may never understand what you're doing. They may never understand your actions. They may never even see it. But I got to tell you, it's the why for me. That's why I do it. It's the why for me. And in this passage, this woman is doing something that, that others see as wasteful. They were indignant, the Bible says about this. But maybe there's something that she was responding to that they had not experienced. 
They didn't see. They didn't know. And if you remember, John, John's gospel also talks about this too. He talks about this, this woman as well. We see, we see something very interesting take place in John chapter 12. And John chapter 12 follows, obviously, John chapter 11. That's pretty deep, huh? We preach the deep stuff. In John chapter 11, though, if you go read it, you will see that where Jesus raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. Okay, so, so then we get to John chapter 12, and the Bible says something very interesting. And the problem is, you cannot understand my chapter 12 if you don't first understand my chapter 11. And I'm not talking about a U.S. tax code, but maybe I am talking, maybe for you it is a spiritual bankruptcy. If you don't know, the U.S. tax code of a chapter 11 means you go bankrupt. Some of y'all are like, I know that. John chapter 12. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. This is the same story. This is John's perspective. Martha served. Okay, that's a little bit more information. While Lazarus, okay, you remember John chapter 11 where Jesus raised a man named Lazarus? Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary Oh, okay. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. Oh, now I see why. This woman wasn't just any woman. Matthew says there was a woman who came before Jesus. But John says, then Mary, the one who saw her brother get up from the grave. Then Mary, the one who knelt down at Jesus' feet and said, if only you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Then Mary, the one who took him to the place in the tomb where her brother laid and watched him at his word. Then Mary, now I get it. Now I see why. It's, it was such a natural thing for her to pour out something that was so expensive, something that was so extravagant, something that was so significant because she had experienced Jesus do something. This is the same story, Matthew 26, John chapter 12. Both are recorded by their point of view. Matthew just said it was a woman who came. But John said, let me tell you about this woman. You don't know her story. You don't know her why. She saw her brother in a tomb four days, and Jesus showed up, and he rolled the stone away. And when he rolled it away, she, he called her brother out and said, Lazarus, come forth. He raised him back from the life. This was her why. This is why. This is the one who raised my brother from the dead. This is the one who carried me when I, and he heard my cry. This is the one who saw me in my darkest moment and he showed up. This is the one who stood up for me when nobody else would. This is the one who gave me help when I needed it. This is the one. And I don't give because it makes sense. It's my worship. He's my God. He's worthy of it all. They saw it as a waste. A waste. She saw it as worship. They said it doesn't take all that. She said, oh, no, he's worthy of this and so much more. 
And the reason they had, that they called it a waste was because they did not understand her worship. You may not understand someone else's worship, but just because it looks like a waste to you does not mean it's a waste to God. So the question I have for you is, what is he worth to you? What is God worth to you? I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste opportunities to worship him. I don't want to waste a moment where I can show him he's worthy. I don't want to waste that moment. Now, I've got to tell you, I don't always feel like praising God. I'm human just like you. I don't always feel like standing down here and lifting my hands and seeing, but I have come to realize that it ain't about me. I don't always feel like it. I don't, but I want to tell you, I don't want to waste a moment or a chance to worship my God who's brought me out of some places in my life where where would I be without his grace and his mercy? He is my God. He is worthy of all my praise. He is worthy of any sacrifice I can give. And I think if that woman can come talk to us today, she would say, that's a really nice message, preacher, but it was worth every cent. It was worth every moment. It was worth every drop for what he did for me. She knew that if I keep this and I use it on myself, I'll smell good for a moment. But if I give it to Jesus, it will smell good for a lifetime. And I want you to watch what Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, even today, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And now over 2,000 years ago, the fragrance of her sacrifice still fills this room today with an aroma. I want you to notice she never said a word. In none of the recordings that we see in Matthew, and Mark and John, even Luke talks a little bit about it. We, we, don't even, we don't even see in any recording where she even said a word. Isn't that amazing how she worshiped without words? You see, some of your greatest acts of worship will not come through things that are produced by your vocal cords. The Bible tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's so true. And to, to really understand the kingdom of God and how God works, you have to understand that there is wisdom to giving. It's not just good to give. It's also very smart. And, and, and it makes good sense when you've experienced his goodness. And everything that I've ever bought on this earth, anything that I've ever purchased on Facebook Marketplace and resold to somebody else, But anything I own today, that from the moment I bought it, it started to depreciate. It started to deteriorate. None of what I bought, I can take with me. And I've regretted some stuff that I've bought. How many of you have had an irrational decision where you walked away and going, they got me. Y'all know it. 
You, you have a $700 car payment with it right now? I've regretted some stuff that I've bought, but can I tell you I've never regretted anything I've ever given to God, ever, ever. And when you hear us talk about this offering that's coming up, I want you to see it as an opportunity to worship. I want you to see it as an opportunity to be a witness to see God move in your life and other people's life, because guess what? You're sitting in a seat today because somebody else thought you were worth it. Let, let's, just take, let's just take a poll. How many of you have been here less than a year? I'd love for you to raise your hand. It's less than a year. Look around the room, less than a year, raise your hand. If you're online, you've been watching less than a year, put it in the chat. Okay, less than a year. Put it up, put it up, put it up, less than a year. Okay, how many of you have been less than we call you the, the COVID attenders. How many have been here since COVID? 2020. 2020. Raise your hand. COVID. Okay. All right. How many of you five years or less? But raise your hand. Five years or less. You've been here five years or less. Okay. How many have been here longer than five years? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have been here longer than 10? How many of you only ever know this building? You've never been in that building to have church. How many? How many? You only know this building. 2014, we built it. So if you've been here since 2014. How many have been here longer than 20 years? Raise your hand. They thought you were worth it. Thought you were worth it. How much is the next generation of believers worth to us? that's the defining question about this whole legacy. Yes, next generation is even just the next generation as younger men and women, but even just the next generation of believers. How much are they worth? Not just to us, but how much are they worth to God? I'd love for you to stand with me all across this room today. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. You may ask yourself, why, why is it so important that we're talking about this? That's because there are people who are in need of Jesus today more than ever before. And God has given us the greatest opportunity to get the message of the gospel out to anyone who needs it. And I believe that there's someone in this room today or watching from the other side of a stream on this broadcast that needs a fresh start with Jesus. You're the person we've been waiting to show up. You are the person that we've prayed for. You are the person that you were worth it. Every sacrifice. You weren't just worth it to us because we take on the heart of our God, but you are worth it to a God who sent his son Jesus, the lamb that was slain, the Bible says, who died on a cross for your sins and my sins, and he wanted to bring you life and life to the full. When the enemy tries to come and steal, rob, and destroy, he said, I'm gonna offer an ultimate sacrifice. I'm gonna buy you back. I'm gonna redeem you. I'm gonna set your path straight. I've come to bring you hope in a future. I've come to give you life that is more abundant 
and I want to do exceedingly abundantly all that you can ask or imagine. I sent my son for you. And if you're in this room today and you say, I need Jesus, or you're on the other side of this broadcast and I need Jesus, then this is your moment. This is your moment. And if that's you, I want to count down from three. And if you say, I need Jesus in my life, I want to turn my life around. I've lived my life my own way, and I, I, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I feel like I keep filling this empty void, and it's not filling up. There's only one person that can fulfill that, and his name is Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah, and he'll be, he'll be returning again to get his people, and that is us. And if you want to know him, if you want to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, if you want to make your eternity secure, then today I want to ask that when I count down from three, you to lift up your hands so I know who I'm praying for today. The Bible says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. So when I count down from three, to just lift your hand boldly. Three, two, one. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high. I see that hand all the way in the back. I see it. All the way on the floor. I see it. Lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Let's give it up for every hand that's been raised today. If you're online, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that when one person, one, there is one repentant sinner, all of heaven rejoices. So there is a party going on in heaven right now for all of you who want to accept Jesus. So I want us to pray this prayer together. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth, if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that God raised him from the dead, it says we will be saved. So I want to pray this simple prayer, the prayer of salvation all together. Let's pray it out loud where our ears can hear us. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you forgive me of all my sin and help me to live a new life in you. I recognize today that you are my faith. You are my hope. Thank you, God, for raising your son for me from the grave. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen, amen, amen. If you just made the decision to invite God into your life, we would love to know. You can text SCSAVE to 97000. That way we can help equip you with some next steps for you to take along this new journey. If this message was a blessing to your life and you'd like to help support Skybreak financially, you can give online using the Skybreak Church app. Well, hey, we would love for you to join us in person this upcoming Sunday morning at 915. But until then, we hope you have a great week and we will see you Sunday.